Squatch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the April issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Thin Cows and Limited Hay Resources, What Are My Options? To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Travis Molinix, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Cattle Nutritionist focused on range production systems. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Dr. Molinix, as we record this, we're sitting here in early to mid-April, and for many cow-calf producers, they're looking at their hay stocks, they're looking at their cow conditions, looking at how long they've got to get to grass, and sometimes seeing a gap in there. With the drought we had last year, a lot of folks are going to need to plan to turn out later, if at all possible, just as range resources are going to need some time to get started. Uh, we also sure could benefit some from some additional moisture this spring in order to get these ranges and pastures off to a good start. Uh, that's creating a scenario now where people are saying, hey, how do I fill this gap? I'm maybe short on hay and my cows are not in the condition I'd like them to be as we move towards breeding. What are my options? And that's really what you focus on in this article. Uh, kind of walk through with us some scenarios you're working through with producers in terms of what they might consider if that's where they find themselves. Yeah, Aaron, it's been an extremely tough year for a lot of producers, uh, mentally and physically. And, you know, we, we went the summer period that was dry and, and a lot of guys put up less hay than they normally did. Uh, hay prices skyrocketed across the state of Nebraska and, and other places. You know, budgets were extremely tight. Um, and, and, you know, this is roughly the third year we've been, you know, through this process of decreased rainfall, drought conditions, uh, limited hay, and, and, you know, a lot of producers are just wore out uh, and, and and they're, they're having challenge to think through some of these processes. And so we're, we're running through those issues of, you know, limited hay and, and may, maybe can't afford to buy more hay because of the cost that hay, hay is currently at. And so, you know, what are my options to stretch what I have? And one of those challenges is, you know, we, we have some normal, you know, traditional turnout dates when we turn out to our pastures. And, you know, we're, even though we've got a, had a lot of snow over the winter, had a lot of moisture, we're still dry. And so a lot of plan is how, how can I stretch that past my traditional turnout date? How can I get past that mid-May turn turnout? To maybe we're going to be in June by the time we actually can turn cows back out and get in a grazing situation. And so, you know, it, it's just been a, a very tough year of how do I plan and, and what's my contingency plan to get there? And then so we've got a few options to consider. Unfortunately, none of them necessarily are very cheap, right? That sometimes it costs more to get through these situations. But one of the biggest things when we talk about feeding is how can I control my feed waste? And that's something a lot of producers don't think of. But that's in, in years like this with limited hay and we've got high costs or hay waste is our first place that we need to start looking at. How can I feed that better? Because depending on how we feed it, we can have 45 to 50% hay waste. And with with just regular meadow hay up to $200, $250 per ton, you know, that's pretty expensive waste that we're leaving on the ground. And so how can I stretch that hay, but also minimize some of that hay loss or that hay wastage? And that's very important to consider when we think about how I'm feeding my hay. 
So one of the things you mentioned in the article, just by restricting access to hay or kind of limit feeding hay, only giving the cows the hay they'll use for that day, thinking about strategies like that really can make a big difference. Yeah. So, you know, one is restricted feeding. And and this is a challenge from the standpoint of, you know, I can restrict access to hay. And if as long as I'm providing enough hay bunks or, or hay rings, uh, bells out there that I, I can restrict access to maybe three six hours per day that they're allowed to eat the hay uh, with within within that area and, and pull them out and as long as I'm feeding something to meet their nutrient requirements um, usually with a higher quality hay with or additional supplementation that you know I, I can stretch those resources much more efficiently than I could by it's just having full access to that hay because a lot of times if I, I've got hay or got cows on a hay a feeder, et cetera, you know, they're going to consume more than they need. And uh, they can easily overconsume in those situations of just having free access to hay. And so limit feeding hay uh, for a lot of producers don't, that don't have the access of of dry lotting cows and limit feeding cows and dry lot is one option we do have is limit feeding hay in, in, in the sense of limit access to the hay and allowing them to come in and consume for three to six hours and then pull them off. The, the downside of that is that the pasture you're pulling them off to make it hit a little harder that they, they may start, uh, you know, grazing that pasture that they're they're in without the hay a little bit more than they would because they're searching to 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 fill that appetite. And so that that's one concern to, to be careful of when you limit access to hay. But we can stretch those hay resources and, and decrease hay wastage by doing that. Another way to decrease wastage is the type of bell feeder you, you use, and and bell feeders that have um, the the cone style or, or have a barrier on the bottom have have less wastage. If you have an open bottom feeder, you know a lot of that hay just gets out. Cows stand on it, they defecate on it, urinate on it, and you're going to have a large pile of waste there that can be up to thirty five to fifty percent wastage. And so be very careful with how you're feeding or the type of bell feeder that you're using um, when you're trying to stretch those hay resources. Um, another option is if you're if you're rolling bells out is make sure you you're not rolling out more than multiple days worth of feed. Um, you know, once that's been laid out to uh, and then they consume all they want that day, you know, they're, they're typically going to lay on it. They're going to defecate, urinate on it, and you can't see increased in wastage by doing that. And and so, you know, th those are a few options that we have to help stretch those uh, hay resources and minimize some waste. One of the things you highlight in the article is the use of the ionophore rumensin as an opportunity to more efficiently use feed resources. Talk through with us how we can apply that in a range situation and how that might fit together with our thinking about limiting access to hay. Yeah, so if, if I was a beef producer um, and if I was feeding a supplement every other day, at least every other day, I would be having remincent in that supplement. 
If you think about the cost savings in the, in the benefit of remensin versus the cost of remensin, there, there's a lot of benefits. And, and uh, the, the challenge to a lot of these situations for producers is is actually getting that remensin in them. Um, and, and some of that's due to how remensin is labeled. Um, the, the, the FDA label for remensin is we can't feed it to free choice to lactating cows like we can to developing heifers or or backgrounding steers, et cetera. And so that, that's a little bit of a challenge to how do you get that into them? And um, my, my recommendation is, is work with a feed company uh, that has the ability to put remensin into your cake. That, that you can that you can force feed that that remensin through your cake and that will allow you to have a better control of intake of that remensin and so in those situations like with heifers that we have free choice remensin in our mineral you know our mineral intake has a high variation response in intake and so we're going to see a loss of a benefit of remensin in mineral because the the variation in intake of that uh, of mineral per day across the herd. And so having it into a supplement that that has a better control in intake will have a better response in uh, in, in adding remensin. So my recommendation is working with the feed mill feed company that will allow you to put. Um, a, a recommended grade to remensin into your cake or your feed that that you can uh, uh, force feed that to your cows. One of the other things you talk about that really many times we see this time of year is as cows move into calving and move towards the breeding season, uh, we may actually be adequate on protein in many cases, but short on energy and trying to figure out how to make up that energy deficit. A walkthrough with us, just some considerations for that. Yeah, and that's going to be a major challenge is if you've got thin cows, um, making sure we get enough energy into them, especially if we have a later turnout date, right? So we've got lower quality forages, we've got lower quality hay, and if our turnout date, our green update is delayed, then that's going to be a big challenge, especially for spring calving cows. Summer calving cows, we've got a little more lead weight and flexibility, but with spring calving cows, we, we may run into a jam where their requirements are increasing after calving, and they're going to increase up to peak lactation. And, and and so, how do I get enough energy into them that I'm starting to gain body weight? Because the number one thing that's going to influence reproduction after this point is body weight change, and, and and really getting cows gaining body weight as soon as possible. And so our strategy with thin cows have to be, how can I increase their energy intake? Um, and, and a lot of guys want to go to corn in those situations. And, and corn can work if it's done properly. With, with corn or starch energy, we've got to make sure we meet their protein requirements before we start feeding corn. In situations that I'm just feeding corn on top of low quality forages, low quality hay, we actually have a re replacement of that uh, hay intake. So they're going to eat less hay. Say if I fed three pounds of corn, they're going to eat three pounds less of hay, which may be a good thing. But the catch 22 with that is 
that energy intake actually can start decreasing. And so they're, they're eating less overall energy. And we can have cows go backwards even more that gets thinner by feeding corn without making sure we meet those protein requirements first. So my suggestion for producers is I know the cost may be high to buy distillers, but distillers is a wonderful resource for a lot of our producers because one, it's high in protein, it's it's higher in energy content than corn. And without the necessarily substitution effect of decreasing hay or that, that forage intake. And so we really got to make sure that we're meeting those requirements for energy and working with the nutritionist to feeding enough uh, energy in form of whether or not it's distillers or, or, or other energy uh, supplements, making sure we have cows gaining body weight. Uh, and so many times that we, we run into racks of, of guys thinking they're feeding enough and they're actually not, and their cows are not gaining enough by the time um, breeding occurs to, to get them cycling early enough get, to get uh, adequate pregnancy rates. And so I highly recommend working with the actual nutritionist, whether or not it's through your extension specialist, your extension educators, um, to help formulate those rations to make sure we've got cows eating enough energy to meet their nutrient requirements of lactation and getting them ready for breeding season. Dr. Molix, one scenario I can see potentially happening this spring, and I, I understand where people are at, but uh, wanting to get cows out on grass, they're looking out. There's a little bit of green out there. I'm about out of hay, and so I kick cows out. I guess just talk about the potential risk with that, especially thinking about these March calving cows where we're going to be turning bulls out, you know, 20th of May, 1st of June, uh, turning out on pasture where there may not be adequate nutrition out there to meet their needs. Yeah, so so that's sometimes de deceiving because we start seeing a little bit of green up and we think there's plenty up there out there for them to consume. And the, the, the challenge we run into with that is that, there's not enough of that green forage out there. And so they may be consuming some green forage, but majority of their diet is still going to be that lower quality, older forage. Um, and so they're not meeting their nutrient needs at that point. And so that we still need more energy in the diet and then sometimes protein in the diet to, to meet those requirements. And I would be very hesitant of turning cows out thinking that there's enough great forage out there that they're going to meet the requirements. Uh, and th that may be confounded slightly with body conditions for those cows of, you know, if you got cows in good fleshy condition, you know, they may get by all right with that, but, but thinner cows, uh, I, I would be highly concerned with turn them out early thinking that there's enough green forage out there to actually meet the requirements because generally that's not going to occur that, that, you're still going to eat a, a large portion of their diet is going to be coming from that lower quality forages. And so I would caution uh, producers, you know, thinking that since there's some green up that they're going to meet the requirements and their cows are going to be just fine. I think the other caution for me, just as I observe pastures, is there's not much residual forage out there. And so it looks greener than would often look just because there's not much of the older forage out there. And so while it may be turning green here in the next couple of weeks, there's not, in many cases, very much old forage to go with the new growth. And so I think combination of that scenario also is 
I think just brings some challenges for us. Yeah, you know, you know, one, one thing I, I like to tell producers is is watch how long your cows are grazing, because if your cows are grazing longer into the day and they're not bedded down by noon, you know, they're they're chasing, and they're either chasing that green forage, the limited green forage, or they're chasing forage altogether. And you know, you, the amount of time cows been grazing per day tells you a lot about forage availability. And so, yes, and you're, you're you're dead on with that, Sharon, that, that, you know, a lot of these situations due to the lack of forage growth or maybe overgrazing or, or grazing pasture a little harder this last year, winter, that, you know, forage availability may just be overall lower than traditional. That's going to cause a decrease in overall energy intake as well. Any other suggestions or things that producers might think through in light of current circumstances that would help them navigate uh, where they're at with their cows and trying to get an acceptable breed up in light of current conditions. Yeah. So a, a big deal is don't go into this year thinking we're going to do things like we always have done it. Uh, work with a nutritionist, work with a consultant to, to help you formulate the best plan to make sure we get your cows in the best condition possible moving into that breeding season. And it may be economically painful moving into the spring but you're better off now doing that than having extremely low pregnancy rates coming this fall and and so i highly recommend reaching out to extension specialists educators in your regions your area to help you formulate a plan of moving forward of where your cows are where they should be and making sure we develop a good nutritional strategy to achieve your objectives thanks again for joining me today yeah anytime here But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article we discussed, Thin Cows and Limited Hay Resources, What Are My Options?